Jakob ist ein Mann, der alles tat, um erfolgreich zu sein. Er log, er betrog, er mobbte, er setzte alle seine Kräfte ein, um sein Ziel zu erreichen. Durch verschiedene göttliche Erlebnisse lernt er eine neue Einstellung und eine Lektion des Lebens, nämlich, dass Gott für ihn kämpft. Es ist Gott, der ihm Talente anvertraut hat. Es ist Gott, der Türen öffnet. Es ist Gott, der mit seinem Leben Geschichte schreiben wird und möchte. Darum ist Jakob so ein super Beispiel für dein und auch mein Leben. Thank you. Good to see you all. Good to be back. And it really feels awkward to be announced as a guest speaker. But well, that's the truth. I am only a guest. This morning, I, 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 you can have a seat. Thank you. This morning, uh, as, as the first service started, I, I saw myself starting to type feedbacks on my iPhone, just I did 15 years. And then I realized, oh, it's not my job anymore. You don't have to write any feedbacks. So <laughs> I pushed it back. I, I want to I honor a person because I see her in first row. She is the number one translating... I, will, I can't say machine because you're not calling a woman a machine. She's the number one translating hero. And it's nobody else than Marianne Frey. Marianne, please stand up just a minute and give her a hand because she is taking care for so many years for uh, translating uh, message scripts, uh, Bible verses, all kind of news that we publish on the internet, on newsletter. And you are uh, such a great person for so many years. I thank you for your service, and it's just great to have volunteers like you in our church. All right. Um, well, many people ask us, how are you doing in Germany? Okay. Some ask, do you even have electricity? I mean, it's way up in the north, about 1,000 kilometers, Hamburg. And I just want to show you a few pics just to make sure you can relax and know we are safe. First, people were uh, really not sure about our house, and I want to show you a great house It's a great house. God really blessed us. Also, um, as you know, the ocean is very near, just about 30 minutes. And I just want to show you this great ocean. There's nature, nothing but nature. Nothing but nature. Um, we also had many people that were concerned about the mentality of the North people. You know, it's not like they say they're not as friendly as the Swiss. I mean, You international community, you laugh because the Swiss are not even so friendly as they always do, right? No, no, they're not. Maybe Americans are, like you are friendly. But I want to tell you, the North people, they are so friendly. I want to show you a man, look at him. So warm, so friendly, such an open heart. Great, great to be there. We also um, had people that were concerned that we are not going with a team. We went all alone, just my wife, myself, and two kids. Actually, we found out this summer we were moving with three kids. Yes, we uh, get another baby. We're very excited about it. Delivery date is next uh, end of March next year. Um, many people are concerned. You are not going with the team. Um, so I can tell you we have a great team I want to show you. Great team. Great team. Just kidding. This is the Hamburg soccer um, team. And maybe you know they are not successful since many, many years. They're always at the very bottom of the first league, the first German league. They never go down, never in history, but they never win. But as we moved there, right as we moved there, 
Within a month, they won the German championship. I want to show you the next picture. You see that? That's, that's this year, believe me. No kidding, it's just a bad camera. Maybe some Instagram effect or something. We also have a great worship leader. Maybe you know her. That's Helene Fischer, you know? German superstar, just kidding. And of course, many people ask, what's your location? Do you have a location? Where do you meet? It's, of course, it's not as good as this place, but I want to show you, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. No, just kidding. I want to uh, just tell you, we are doing fine uh, as a family. We started well. Uh, we feel very blessed. We have about 50 to 60 people that come every week. Uh, to our uh, weekly meetings. We not call it a celebration, but community Sundays to build a community that, um, that uh, is, is building church in Hamburg. And we also doing good as a family and just want to thank you from the bottom of our heart to you guys for supporting us with prayer, but also supporting us with finances. You guys just had the REACH campaign a few weeks ago and we just say thank you from the bottom of our heart. I want to pray that God can speak to you and if you want that too, you can pray with me. Jesus, I thank you for being here and I ask you to speak to our hearts. And if I leave this room about 45 minutes from now, I want to be a different person. And I allow you to speak to me and change me and change my thinking, my feelings, my identity. We open our hearts for this great King of God. In Jesus' name, amen. The first point is I am blessed. We are finishing the series of Jacob today. And my first point is I am blessed blessed. And you know what? You are blessed too, should we do. You are blessed. I am blessed and you are blessed. And now I feel that some of you guys would like to raise their hand and say, uh, please, pastor, hello, my name is Jack and um, I am not blessed. Maybe the rest of the people around me are blessed, but if you would know me, And if you would know my story and if you would know for what I pray for for so many years, you wouldn't say that I am blessed. And I believe many people say that. I'm, I'm not blessed. I mean, this guy's blessed and she's blessed, but I'm not blessed. I'm lacking. I'm missing out something. I'm praying for a miracle and it doesn't happen. I'm not blessed. Well, I want to say maybe you do not feel blessed because you only look at the things that you don't have. Maybe it's just a question of perspective that defines if we are blessed or if we are not blessed. Maybe it's just a question of if I look on the things that I have, the things that God already gave me, the things that I already have, or if I look at the things that others have or others have more than I have. Maybe it's just a question of perspective. Are you blessed? Do you feel blessed today? I want to try to help you just a little bit to change your perspective. First point, if you have a roof over your head at night, if you have some pocket money, if you have enough money to at least buy food for the next two to three days, you are richer than five billion people in this world. And you belong to the 8% richest people on this planet. You are blessed. 
If you have the freedom to speak, if you have the freedom to say what you believe, if you have the opportunity to buy a newspaper in your city, which is able to say and print what they believe, you possibly live in Germany, Switzerland, Norway, Finland, or Sweden. Because nowhere else you have such a high freedom of speech as in these countries. Third point, if you have political freedom, if you don't have to be scared that there are any street fights, political turmoil, any oppression, any imprisonment, if you don't have to be afraid of a war, of a dictator, if you live in a democracy, you're doing better than most people in this world. You are blessed. And if you are able to meet public as a church, if you are able to attend a church service like you do this afternoon, without being punished, without scare, being scared of imprisonment, You are doing better than three billion people in this world. For three billion people, it's illegal to meet in church. You may, maybe you are blessed. I want to look at a man this afternoon who maybe said, just like you would say, I am not blessed. It's a story that Jesus told, and it's about the three, the five, the two, and the one talent. Maybe you guys know that story. Jesus is telling it in public. He says there is a man, a wealthy man, maybe a farmer, and one day he decides to travel. So he gathers around the best three men that he had, and he entrusted them his money. So he gave the first man five talents. Five talents was at that time not a word for gift, but it was a, a, a currency. And it's about 10,000 silver coins. So the first man, he gave about 50,000 silver coins, which is an amazing amount of money. Okay, the second, he gave two talents. So 20,000 silver coins. Still amazing much money. And the last one, he only gave one talent. Only one talent. This guy only gets one talent. Just one stupid That's like nothing. Because he looks over to the other guy and he says, whoa. He has two talents. Whoa. He has five talents. That's not fair. Well, maybe God doesn't need me at all. Well, at the end, maybe I'm, I'm not blessed. I'm, I didn't get anything. And he makes this bad mistake believing that he has nothing. And he decides to just store it and buries it and waits until the boss comes back. The boss comes back many years later. He shows up. All of a sudden, he calls the three guys together. The first says, hey, you gave me five talents. And because I did something with it and, and invested it and had great harvest, now I have 10. And the second says, well, same story. You gave me two. Now I have four. And the boss was so excited. But then the last guy showed up and he just guts it out and gave it back and says, here it is, undamaged, still one talent. And the boss gets very angry and he yells at this guy, he puts him into prison and he takes that one talent and gives it to the one who made five to 10. Maybe this guy had the wrong perspective because one talent is still 10,000 silver coins, which is still a great amount of money. But because he compared himself to the other guys, he said, this is not much. 
This is very few. This is like nothing. I'm not gifted at all. I have almost nothing in my life. You know those people who say, oh, I'm not gifted. Oh, I'm, no, I'm, I don't have any gifts. No. That's bad, bad humility, wrong humility. No, I, I don't have any gifts. No, God, no, I can do anything in church. No, I don't have anything to do or give. I believe Jacob was a man a little bit like this man. Jacob was blessed all of his life. His life started well. He was the third in a row, like Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob. Wow. The three great fathers of this great nation, which will come to existence in the next hundred of years. But all of his life, he was so sure that he's not blessed enough. And all of his life, he was fighting and trying to achieve and receive more of God's blessing. All of his life, he believed that God is unfair or people are unfair. And he crossed moral values and he damaged his personal relationship to his father, to his grandfather, to his father-in-law, to his wife, to his son and daughters, just because he was so convinced that he's not blessed enough. Just because he was so convinced that he doesn't have enough. To be honest, sometimes I'm a little bit like Jacob. I grew up in a family which was honoring God. I had great parents. I had great brothers and sisters. They loved me. I was uh, equipped with talents. And I had the opportunity to live them out and, and share them and, and, and sharpen them and train them. And so I was able to do great things. I had many friends. I had a good school education. So from the outside, you would all look at my life and say, you have a great life, Andy. But to be honest, as a kid, as a teenager, even as a young adult, if I looked out of my eyes into my life, I was absolutely convinced I am not blessed, I am not loved, I am not gifted. I don't know the reason, but this is how my life started. Blessed from the outside, but totally devastating in the inside. Believing that I don't have enough. And maybe I was just like Jacob or just like that man, always looking at the things that I don't have, that I'm missing out, that others maybe have more. There's one friend that doesn't want to be my friend, this one talent that doesn't want to be my talent, this one opportunity and job in, in a career that seems to not want to be my opportunity. And I was never satisfied. And as a young adult, as I started to work, I soon ended up in a burnout. Not because I worked too much, but because I worked for the wrong reasons. And it became worse and worse, and it all finished into a, a sleeping problem. I couldn't fall asleep. For days, I would not sleep at all. I couldn't believe I could still get up. I remember one day I, I drove with the car to the doctor to talk to him about my problem. And at the, on the way to that doctor, I drove over two red lights, big crossing in Winterthur. And I didn't even realize, like, oh, red, oops. And I really knew I have a problem. <laughs> If you cross two lights, big crossing, still alive, you go to the doctor and tell him you have a problem. Promise? Okay. 
And in this problem, in this devastating time, lying in my bed, not falling asleep, and my head was turning like a washing machine, you know, at the end when it really goes fast and I couldn't stop them from spinning and spinning and spinning, I, I cried out to God and God challenged me with one spiritual discipline and that was being thankful. And he said, I want you to start, remind yourself of all the good things in your life. And if, I really, if you are really frustrated, you all know that, you look at God and you say, well, I really would be thankful, but there is almost like no reason at all. I was so convinced. So I was lying in my bed, I really started to think, oh man, could there be anything good in my life? No. No. So maybe after a minute I looked over and I said, okay, yeah, uh, okay, my wife, she's okay, she's good. No, she's really good, thank you. Thank you, God for my wife. And then I kept thinking, I realized, well, it's raining outside and I have a roof on my head, so, okay, God, thank you for my roof. Okay, thank you for my pillow, my blanket. Thank you for my house. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for my family, my education. Thank you for my job. And all of a sudden, as you keep doing it, you get into this flow and you realize, oh, it's not so bad. There are some little things left that are not too bad. And all of a sudden, you realize, no, what, what, what the heck did get wrong to my brain? I was so convinced there is nothing. But if I keep up with the spiritual discipline of being thankful, all of a sudden, you realize you are blessed and there are good things in your life. And I want to do this with you guys in the midst of this message. I want to give you the opportunity, wherever you are fighting right now, whatever you feel to miss out in your life, I just want to give you a moment with Bible verses, like a story written out of Bible verses, all biblical truth, things that God says over your life. And I want you to close your eyes for a minute. And I want to read to you the truth of God, what God thinks about you. Maybe you just open your heart for a minute and allowing those truths to speak to your needs. My child, I know everything about you, even if you do not know me yet. I know when you get up and I know when you go to bed. I know all of your path. I have counted all the hairs on your head. You live and you exist through me. You are my child. I already knew you before you were born. I appointed you when I planned creation. You are not an accident. I wrote every day of your life in my book. I defined the time and the location of your birth and reflected on where you would live. I created you in an awesome and wonderful way. I skillfully formed you in your mother's womb. I called you forth on the day of your birth. I am not far away from you. 
I am not angry with you, but I am love and person. I desire more than giving you my love wastefully. I offer you more than any father on earth could ever. I am the perfect father. All the good things you receive come from me. I fulfill all needs and care for you. I have plans for you that are full of future and hope. I love you with a love that never ceases. And I will never stop doing good things for you. I will never stop doing good things for you. Church, why don't we give God a hand? Come on, just as an act of praise. Come on. My second point this afternoon is, I am blessed to be a blessing. I am blessed. We're all good with that now. But I'm blessed to be a blessing. We end the series today with the last two chapters. Jacob is about to die. He knows that he's over soon. And all of a sudden, maybe way too late, he starts asking, what do I leave? What do I leave when my book is closed? All of his life, he was fighting for himself, fighting for his own rights, fighting for his own purpose, but as he started to facing death, all of a sudden he says, what do I leave behind? And all of a sudden he remembers his children and his grandchildren and he calls them and he starts blessing them, praying over them. Hebrew chapter 11, verse 21, it says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons. And he worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. At the very end of his life, Jacob starts thinking about what do I leave behind? My book is closed soon. But what are my children are doing? What will my grandchildren say about me? You are blessed to be a blessing. And I want to show you a cycle, a pattern of the kingdom of God. Because I believe this is so true. Here is God and here is this pattern. God loves to bless you. All right? He loves to bless you. This is you. Woo Hello. How are you? This is you. I am blessed. But the pattern of the kingdom of God is I am blessed to be a blessing. I am blessed with purpose. I am blessed with finances. I am blessed with talents, not for my own sake, not for my own purpose, but to give it back into the kingdom of God, but to give it back and share it with the people around me, to give it back into the church. I am blessed, not for my own sake, not that it stops there, but my blessing wants to go away from me. But here comes the great thing. If we do that, God even blesses us more. 
But it's not even then that it, this thing wants to stay. Just like the two guys, the one who had five talents and made 10 out of it, the guy who had two talents and made four out of it. The Bible doesn't say there that was their salary when they received the four. We don't know if they earned any more money. The money that they had was still owned by the farmer, right? Whatever God gives you still belongs to him. It's just in your hand. And our job is to give it back. Now, your pastor, Björn, is a great tennis player. Did you know that? He's an amazing, he could have been Roger Federer. And it's really like, look, this is God, okay? So he pushes, ah, okay, and I push it back. Ah, okay, you push it back. Ah, and I push it back. Ah, you mean God doesn't do any ah because he's almighty, so he does any problem. Thank you, Pastor Björn. This is the biblical, give him a hand, come on. This is the pattern of the kingdom of God. God blesses us, but not for us, but in order to be a blessing. And if we do that, God really starts liking that game. And he said, this is a great guy. This is a great woman. I can give him more because he gives it back to me. And this is true for finances. This is true for any gifts, any relationship, any ability you have. Anything that is good, it's entrusted by God. And I believe this is so different to what the world says. If you are working in a bank, any company, you know that most of the people would say, your talents, it's all for you. Just use it for your own sake. Use it as hard as you can, be a winner. Many times people say life is a competition. Maybe you heard that sentence before. Yeah, life is a competition. Even in church, I heard a guy saying that once. And so I started digging into the Bible and I said, well, I don't believe that this is what the Bible says. If you say life is a competition, I believe this is a principle that comes out of the evolutionary theory. If you say it's good that the strong beats the weak, if you believe this is good for your society, for your own life, for the children, for your grandchildren, that the strong beats the weak, You don't believe in God's creation, my opinion. You believe in the Big Bang. It's not the Bible that says life is a competition. I believe the world says this, the enemy says this. The first competition was invented by the enemy in heaven. This great worshiper, this great angel that started to compete with God. The second championship that we say, the next competition that we see are the two sons of Adam and Eve competing against each other. And it ended up that kind murdered Abel. Life is not a competition. The principle of the Bible is 100% different. I just want to read you one verse, and to be honest, you can dig into the Old Testament and you find tons of different verses that all say the same thing. Here it says, blessed are those who have regard for the weak. Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Bible says your strength is here to make the weak strong. Your strength is not here for yourself. Your strength is there to make the, the weak strong. If you have more resources financially, your job is to help people that are not having as much as you have. If you have any talent It's just not for your own sake. Your talent is there to support the church, 
to support your community, to support the people around you. Don't get me wrong. Of course, the, God, the, the, the kingdom of God is about giving your best. God loves if you give your best. In job, in your family, in church, with your talent, with your finance. Give your best. But it's never about being the best. That's a big difference. It's always about giving your best. But it's never about being the best. A great pastor named Rick Warren, he started a book that was a great book with one simple sentence. He said, it's not about you. It's not about you. And this is what Jacob realized when he comes to the end of his life. He realized, it's not about me. All of a sudden, he calls his sons and daughters, his grandchildren, he started blessing them. All of a sudden, he started to be concerned about the things that last once his life is over. I really believe we don't have to wait until we're almost dying. I had a great father. He died about nine years ago. And even before the cancer started to grow in his body, he took care of his relationship. He was a great man of God. He, we had a good friendship, but still, with about 90, uh, about 55 years, he started to go into counseling again. Just because he said, I want to take care of all the damage, all the bumps that I received along the way. So he went into counseling and he started fixing relationship. He started calling people and asking for forgiveness. He, he, he started praying for us, praying for our future children. And as the cancer grow. And I, I walked with him and I just pushed him in the wheelchair and I uh, started telling him again all the great things that I do in church. I all of a sudden realized that he's not really interested in him anymore. I started as always, I, I, I used to tell my dad, yeah, we have, we have this project in church and we have this great project in church. And, and there was a kind of a love language talking about the things we do. <laughs> but as my dad looked the dead in his eye, he started not asking anymore about the things that we do, but the things that we are. This year, uh, the great former chancellor of, chancellor of uh, Germany, Helmut Kohl died. Maybe you know this guy. He was a famous political man. He, who did a great job uniting uh, East and West Germany. And so in, in many history books, you will read his name even in two or three hundred years. But after he died and after everyone honored him, if you open the newspaper today, all that is last is a conflict that was not resolved all of his life. He left two sons behind that hate him. A family totally divorced, totally broken apart. His two sons almost didn't show up to the funeral of this great man. I think this is a warning sign for us. What do we leave if God would close our book today? What do we leave? What about our relationship with God? That's the first question. How is your relationship with God doing right now? Right now. Second, how are your relationship doing to the people that you love? Maybe your wife. Maybe your husband, maybe your girlfriend, your boyfriend, 
your family? Is your relationship with your parents, is it fixed? Is it good? Is it honoring God? Is your relationship to your co-workers, to your boss, is it honoring God? If you would, God would call you home tonight, what would people say about you? It's like playing this game Monopoly. You know this game Monopoly? Yes, Pierre knows it. You are a winner guy, I know. You always won, right, Pierre? Always, always. I didn't. No, I was not good at Monopoly. But maybe you know Monopoly. You can buy banks and streets and the Bahnhofstrasse, the Kurfürstendamm in Berlin. And you buy all this stuff and you kick your brother out of the game and maybe an hour later your, 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 your sister starts crying and has to go to bed because she leaves too. And in the end, you end up with all that money, millions. Great, great feeling. You think like, yeah, I'm the boss. I have all this kingdom. <laughs> But then you realize, oh man, this is all has to go back into the box, right? Maybe you can leave it on your living room table for another day, taking some pictures, enjoying your kingdom, but sooner or later, you know, it's nothing. It all goes back in the box. It's the same thing. One day, all of the things we did, our job, our money, our living room, our house, our iPhones and iPads, they all go in a box. It's nothing. And that one thing that lasts, our, re our relationship, our relationship with God, our relationship with ourselves, the relationship with the people that we love. Let's bow our head and pray, come on. God, I give you all the glory. For you are good, good all the time. And today I wanna say it out loud, I am blessed. And I say this, to the things that I need. I say this to the things that I believe to lack. I say, I am blessed in the name of Jesus. And at the same time, God, I want to be a blessing. And I decide not to store my blessings, but to invest my blessings and give them back to you, give them back into your hands. And I really believe, God, that if I do that, you give me more. So I can give you more. So you can give me more. So I can give you more. And God, I ask you to bless this church. I ask you to bless this international community. Here are so many business people, people who are doing career, influencing our future country, influencing this future world. God, may you bless this men and women of God. Let us be kingdom builders. Let's not build our ego, but let's build the kingdom of God that will last forever. That is not unstoppable. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Sometimes I wonder when everything fails and fades away, what does remain? Why do we come to this place from near and far? Because at the end of the day, there is nothing else that remains. What would it look like to face the consequences of something so radical? What would it actually look like to follow Jesus? Friendships may fail, heroes may fail, eventually riches turn worthless. He stirs a thirst for truth, compassion and love. Nothing that this earth could ever quench. What is it that we can truly build our lives and hope on? There is one thing and one thing only when it's all said and done. He alone is our solid rock, our center and our foundation.